655-0001, access code 2495-351-7176, press pound and then pound again to be added to the line. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you dial star three before public comment is called, you'll be added to the queue. When you're called for public comment, please mute the device you're listening to the meeting on, and when it's your time to speak, you'll be prompted to do so. Public comment during the meeting is limited to three minutes per speaker, unless otherwise established by the presiding officer. An alarm will sound once the time has finished. Speakers are requested but not required to state their names. SFGov TV, please show the small business Office of Small Business slide. Today, we will begin with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco. The Office of Small Business is the best place to get answers about doing business in San Francisco during the local emergency. If you need assistance with small business matters, particularly at this time, you can find us online or via telephone. And as always, our services are free of charge. Before item number one is called, I'd like to start by thanking Media Services and SFGov TV for coordinating this virtual hearing and the live stream. And special thanks to Jonathan Goldammer, who will be running the meeting. Please call item number one. Item one, call to order and roll call. Commissioner Dickerson. Present. Present. Commissioner Huey. Here. President Laguana. Here. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Here. And Vice President Zuzunas. Present. Uh, President, you have a quorum. Great. Uh, so I will read the Ramay Toshaloni land acknowledgement. The San Francisco Small Business Commission and the Office of Small Business Staff acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of, of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working in their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Please call item number two. Item number two, Board of Supervisors file 211292, various codes, street vendor regulation. This is a discussion and action item. Presenting today, we have Supervisor Safai and Ivy Lee from the Mayor's Office. The Commission will discuss and may take action on an ordinance amending the Public Works Code to regulate vending, require permits for vending, and authorize permit fees and enforcement actions. Amending provisions of the Administrative, Business, and Tax Regulations, Park, and Police Codes to conform with those amendments. Amending the Port Code to merge its permit program with the Public Works Permit Program. Repealing reporting provisions from the Health Code and adopting findings under CEQA. Welcome, Supervisor. Welcome, Ivy. Uh, you have the floor. I'm not sure who wants to go first, but uh, or um, if it's just one or both of you, but um, please feel free. Get started. Um, Supervisor, I'm I'm happy to defer to you if you would like to go over the the, the an overview of the legislation. Yeah, I'll make some opening remarks and then I'll let you get into the level of specificity. Just kind of provide some context. Sure. Um, 
So as many of you know, as small business owners, we've been hearing uh, for probably over the past year, significant um, conversation around organized retail crime and crime related to stolen products in general. Uh, we started after we had a hearing in the spring, I started and engaged a kind of working group. Uh, myself and Chief Scott uh, chaired that process. Uh, many of you saw we passed a legislation that had to do with increased law enforcement presence that could be hired by third parties. And that was our 10A legislation that pertained to allowing the sheriffs to uh, be hired by, by private entities. Uh, we also had extensive conversation about once items are stolen and if they are, where they end up and how they end up on the streets often in San Francisco. Um, uh, Chief identified this as a major area of concern. Uh, we uh, started the conversation and subsequently uh, the mayor's office also was involved in this conversation as well. Um, and uh, we're drafting legislation as we were. So we decided to merge our efforts uh, together and work jointly on, on this concern. Essentially what this does is it provides for uh, a permitting process for people that would be involved in selling items on our street. Um, it stays away from existing areas of concern like food push carts. There's been some misinformation out there that has identified uh, food push carts uh, that would be uh, impacted by this legislation. There's existing code from the Department of Public Health that, that handles that process. This is really about items um, and often items that are stolen, as we've talked about, uh, that end out on the streets, people reselling those items without a vending license and bringing greater context in that where the Department of Public Works in conjunction with potentially other departments would work to enforce and ensure that people that are out there on the streets would be using a, a vending license or have a vending license. Um, we do write in considerations for those that have uh, economic hardships who would be allowed to at least, you know, hopefully just in the first year, uh, waive that fee. But we do give some discretion ultimately to the head of public works to write the implementation and administrative orders on how this would then be applied once we pass the legislation. We think this is necessary. We think this is timely. We think this is a way to ensure in a greater magnitude of one other tool in the toolbox for those that want to stop the illicit trade of illegal goods on our streets, um, that then also then multiplies into uh, other criminal activity in and around uh, these environments. So I wanna thank uh, Ivy uh, Lee uh, for her hard work on this and Jeffrey Morris on my team, uh, our city attorney um, uh, that was involved in drafting this and kind of thinking this through and how it coordinates with the state uh, codes that allow for and um, uh, kind of set the parameters on when goods can be taken, how long those goods can be held for. Um, ultimately, if someone does not have a permit and they're selling items and those and they cannot produce a vending permit, um, those items can be confiscated for a short amount of time. And then if they're able to produce uh, receipts or produce pure true ownership, um, mechanisms, they can uh, get those items back. I think that's an important part of the conversation. 
uh, because there needs to be some consequences. Uh, I know so many of the small businesses, I know so many of the businesses in the city are dealing with uh, having items stolen and then resold both on the internet and out on the street. And so we provide a mechanism to bring uh, this into compliance with how many other businesses operate in the city. Um, I'll just end with saying, uh, Supervisor Peskin went through a, a similar but more refined process as it pertained to Fisherman's Wharf. I know a lot of the businesses out there appreciated that. Um, and I think we're building off of that effort and taking it on a citywide scale and saying to our to our vendors, our, those many of whom are brick and mortar, many of whom are having their items stolen and resold on the street, that we're going to create a mechanism to bring this uh, into compliance and bring more scrutiny. So I'll hand it over to Ivy. Thank you, Ivy. Thank you, commissioners, for considering this. Uh, welcome to the new uh, uh, Katie Tang in her new position. I think it's the first time I get to see her in her new role. So congratulations, uh, Director Tang, um, and look forward to working with you all on this and seeing this through the legislative process. Happy to answer any questions after uh, Ms. Lee speaks. Thank you. Ivy, you have the floor. Thank you so much, uh, President Laguana. Um, and thank you, Supervisor, for all of your hard work, um, really amplifying this issue. Um, and for the, the work of your, your staffer, um, Jeffria, um, who was a pleasure to work with on this. Um, commissioners, thank you for your time. Um, the, the previous times that I've been before the Small Business Commission, um, you know, the, the commissioners have offered really substantive and thoughtful feedback that has really improved the quality of the legislation that we were that we have managed to ultimately then introduce and pass. Um, I want to uh, actually say that um, Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena, I remember working with you on one of the first pieces of legislation that I ever handled, which was the Fair Chance Act um, that moved back the, the uh, criminal background inquiry further in a um, job and housing interview so that people had an opportunity to be seen as people first rather than a, a criminal record. Um, and you know, your, your feedback actually really improved that legislation. So um, I, I just wanna say that out front because if there are suggestions that commissioners have to improve this legislation and make it work better on the ground, versus just in theory, then um, we are absolutely happy to consider any suggestions that you have. Um, so please don't hesitate to let us know. You all are the experts on small business and we wanna make sure that we take your expertise into consideration. Um, as Supervisor um, Safai stated, um, this, this legislation really has two objectives. The first is that we try and create a citywide consistent frame so that folks who want to explore economic opportunities with street vending, that they have a legit way and a simple and streamlined way to do so. Um, the second is that we, we don't, you know, we wanna make sure that folks that are not interested in actually selling goods that they have ownership over that we have a way to not criminalize that kind of behavior, but to discourage it with meaningful, but non-criminal um, consequences. So what this legislation does is that it sets up a permitting process and a regulatory process so that the Department of Public Works 
would actually govern and come up with regulations and rules for how someone would apply for a permit, the fee schedule for those permits, as well as a fee waiver if there is someone who has who is economic hardship and cannot pay for a permitting for a permit, um, and um, and then scales out so that the Department of Public Works would be able to affiliate with any other city department when it comes to execution of enforcement. So that means that, look, if, if the Department of Public Works, when they inspect and they ask someone to produce um, proof of ownership of the goods that they are trying to resell or sell, then um, it would be very easy for the, the Public Works inspector to say, look, this is your first violation. I'm going to give you a, a warning first. This is what's required. Here's how you apply for a permit if you really want to pursue this. And if you don't, then I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Um, it is a multi-step process. This is not meant to be punitive. This is meant to be consistent with this idea that we want vibrant street vending. We want vending that makes sense in public spaces to help activate the streets and the, the open spaces for the city. We all know that when we have vibrant street scene that is legal and safe, that that's actually a benefit for all of us. What we don't want is we don't want what we see, and, and to be plain, we don't want what we see at UN Plaza, where we have oversaturation. We have crowds of people that are laying out um, goods that you know, still may have, for example, the Walgreens stickers all over them. That is something that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't benefit any of us. So one of the, the other pieces of this that I want to make sure to emphasize is that there's been a lot of concern and I think misinformation about what this legislation will also do, that this is about targeting small you know, immigrants and low-income folks who are really trying to pursue some economic opportunity. Um, that is incorrect. This legislation does not apply, for example, to hot dog vendors or people selling tamales from a push cart. That is not covered by this. This also does not apply to street artists. Um, there is already a street artist regulatory framework. We are not messing with that. What we want to do is to make sure that people who want to sell goods and prepackaged foods, right, not prepared foods, that there is a way for them to legitimately pursue um, a permit and, and be able to, to pursue that economic opportunity. This isn't just a benefit for um, for the city. This is a benefit for those folks who actually want to pursue that economic opportunity because we are hearing from folks, for example, around 24th and Mission, also around um, 7th and Market, for example, who actually have what was previously known as a peddler's permit, who have actually affirmatively gone up to police or contacted our office and said, I can't make money and I, I got a, per a peddler's permit. I followed all the rules and I can't actually do like sales here because I am surrounded by folks who are selling stolen goods. Um, so this is also an effort to make sure that folks who want to pursue this opportunity can safely do so. Um, I'm going to stop there. And I know that some of your the commissioners may have um, some questions about how this would work, what this applies to, what this doesn't. Um, so let me just put a, uh, let me put a pause right here and, and try to answer any questions that you all might have. <clears throat> Great. Uh, commissioners, do we have any questions or comments? Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Thank you, Supervisor. Thank you, Ivy. Um, I, I want to start off. I, I appreciate um, 
you're mitigating as much concerns and it is a concern it's it's fear right like the times are tough right now and and you know we've seen the media what happened in your square with the hot dog peddlers and especially in the latina and latino communities this is a great concern right because traditionally historically stuff like this usually has an unintended consequence and it's punitive in our community it's always punitive regardless whether it's intended or not to because of the cultural barrier the um technology barriers that exist and and just the way of doing business culturally right so one of one of the things and, and i want to put a caveat i am a firm believer and and i you know um i i am a formerly convicted felon and we worked on the legislation as you mentioned and i wholeheartedly believe if you do the crime do the time like straight up man up none of this like no i'm with that i'm with the consequences in your actions enough said on that i just want to make sure that this down the road you know we're no longer supervisors commissioners and this like for the the spirit and the intent of this legislation is forgotten and somebody's peddling you know on 24th and it becomes a punitive i confiscate your goods you know i i maybe i got some clothes from my kids and and for my little nephew and i'm selling it and it's not stolen but i have no receipts i can't i can't prove ownership of that you know like if you notice culturally in my community you know that's what we do right like so you stuff here and there you know we make it happen right just just to make a little ends meet at the end of the day and my biggest concern me and community is this eventually becoming punitive like somehow down the road when we're no longer here not in the world but you know <laughs> in in the positions we hold currently yeah commissioner thank you for for explaining all of that and describing, you know, the fact that the best intended legislation can often have unintended consequences. Um, I, I recognize that. I think we, we all do. And so what we are trying to do is to set up a framework that is as narrowly tailored as possible, where, for example, when DPW issues regulations on how the permitting will work, that there would be a public commenting period where anyone would be able to submit comments about how to improve what they are proposing. So for example, um, this permitting um, legislation requires that as part of the permit application, you have to provide identification of who you are. Well, we should make it very clear that you can use a foreign passport. You do not have to have, for example, a US passport or a California state ID. We should make it as easy as possible for someone to actually you know, meet that, that requirement, which is a reasonable requirement, but the way that you can meet it should be expansive, right? This should be as low barrier as possible because if you are applying for a street vending permit, then you are trying to do the right thing. And we should try to make it as low barrier and easy for you to do as possible, which also means that we should have the permitting process available in different languages. When we do outreach and we have a noticing period before this goes into effect, we should have community organizations working with DPW go out to, for example, 24th and Mission and let people know in language, hey, in 90 days, this is what is going to start happening. This is the application. Is this something that you would want to do? Let me help you walk you through it. This is why we're doing it. This is how you can come into compliance, right? Um, so, so those are just some of the things that we're trying to build in, um, keeping in mind that this is possible, right? That anytime we put a structure in place, that someone's going to get hurt. Um, and that is not what the intent is. Now, as far as punitive 
one of the things that I do want to point out is that there is a state law that makes it so that we can never impose criminal penalties. We cannot, for, for violations of this legislation, you cannot issue an infraction. This could never be a misdemeanor, for example. The maximum penalty that we can do is a $100 fine for a, the first violation, $200 fine for the second, a maximum of $500 fine for the third, and confiscation would only happen for a period of about 90 days where your products would be put into storage and you can go at any time within that 90 day period and retrieve your belongings. So one of the things that you did mention that I, I do wanna to talk to you more about and that we will have to flesh out is how do you show proof of ownership, right? If you go to a thrift store or if it's something that belongs to you already, I don't keep my receipts for clothing you know, that I bought my oldest kid that now is a hand-me-down 10 years later. I don't do that. So one of the things that's possible is, um, is something that I actually learned through the, the immigration legal work is we should have personal affidavits. Maybe that is a, a process that would work, right? Where you could actually file an affidavit under penalty of perjury, present it and say, look, these are clothes that I purchased for my child. This is the, these are hand-me-downs and now I am selling this clothing. Or for example, the, the ladies that go to the food pantry there has to be a way for the food pantry to be able to give them a receipt that shows them that this is the food that you received here. It, it, it's not an insurmountable problem, and I, I think that we can deal with it. I hope that answers your question, but, but we can keep talking. Yeah, and um, President Laguna, I want to add on to that. Really appreciate the question, uh, Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Um, that was part of what you heard in my presentation mayor's office was sub working on their own legislation. We were working on ours. We were, we were very clear in our uh, initial statements. And, and, and this is somewhere where both the mayor's office and, and my office were 100% alignment. We had no intention of this focusing on people with push cards that were, that were selling or doing uh, food. We wanted to stay as far away from that as possible. We knew the implications of that. We knew who would bear the brunt of that. But we also knew that there were existing um, mechanisms already in place uh, that the Department of Public Health. So that's when, when some of the things started to happen in the city where there was some enforcement there. Uh, we started to get some calls and, and I said to people, this has nothing to do with the legislation that we've introduced. Our legislation hasn't even gone through the legislative process yet. So um, there are existing laws, and I think there's an opportunity for people to take a look at that. But with regard to this, we are in absolutely dealing with a crisis of, and, and, and this is from, from tremendous input from so many different business owners, big and small, um, people having items that are stolen and re, uh, that are tried to resell. I think in your instance, we were saying someone's out on the street. I think, you know, and I also try to think about how when policy will actually be implemented. If you're talking about someone from the Department of Public Work coming down, nine times out of 10, have a conversation. Um, do you have a permit to sell those, that, you know, some of those clothes here in, in your example? No, I don't. I'm sorry, you're going to have to move on. I don't even think the clothes or anything gets confiscated. I don't think there's any real enforcement. I think it's more about you don't have a permit, you're going to have to move on. Now, for the people that are selling stolen goods, that's a very different thing because there are a lot of places in this city, you and I both know, 
where if you wanted to go down and see where stolen items are, are resold out on the street, we know exactly where to go today. And so do the police and so do the people that are trying to make a change here. And I think that's what this is intending to do. But you're very right to say we have to be 100% cognizant of not having unintended consequences. And so it's better to talk about that up front. Can I add one suggestion? And, and I don't know how this works, but I, I think one of the ways that community and, and also to advocate, right, if like somehow trusted CBOs in each, I don't know, district have some kind of authoritative say, like if, you know, they're harassing a merchant or something and, and that pretty, like Medan Mission or Calle 24, you know, on 24th Street would somehow do a, an affidavit as CBO, not, not necessarily, but if they're involved or they're the registered CBO for a corridor, things would happen a lot faster, right? We don't have to, you know, find out who's in charge at WW and like, it doesn't get bureaucratic. You know, if there's like registered community partners in each corridor that, that can enact action on behalf, like swiftly, I think that would kind of eliminate a lot of the unintended consequences. Great. Uh, any other commissioners? Uh, Vice President Sassoonis. Thank you, Supervisor. Um, thank you, Ivy, for, for being here and uh, working through this piece of legislation with us. I think um, I, I have some questions as well, but I really appreciate the, the thorough introductions on the legislation and also my fellow commissioners' comments on on some of the concerns as we are dealing with some of our most vulnerable communities and our commission, especially now uh, that we have taken on a racial equity mandate for the city's racial equity um, mandate, we are looking at compliance versus punitive approaches. And, and that's paramount for us, especially in the last year, as we've seen last two years, as we've seen um, the city, state, and federal government try to mitigate, um, you know, economic impact on small businesses, independent contractors, sole, sole proprietors, um, and technical assistance, whether it's for filling out a grant, whether it's for filling out a loan, whether it's for filling out a permit, a waiver, um, that is something that's consistently missing in the picture. Um, and, and I can tell you with my day job with the Small Business Administration, we have seasoned business owners not having business bank accounts, not knowing how to create a PDF, um, not knowing how to um, appeal a, an error made in a timely process just because capacity and, and technical, technical lack of technical assistance, really. So in, in terms of um the intent of this in as bringing people into the fold of compliance i the the only way that i really see that intent being um carried out is with um a strong technical assistance component so so i would like to know you know is this going to be something that our uh, official rfps are going to be issued to to you know pair that outreach because community and business orgs are very, you know, non-governmental, right, are very um, limited in what they can do, you know, pro bono, right? So if we're asking community groups, uh, workforce development groups to do this outreach, there needs, it needs to be structured into it. Um, 
and there needs there yeah there needs to be uh some some as much as possible and i think you're already thinking through that you know like okay you know what if someone doesn't have a mailing address you know what if someone doesn't have um the the exact type of document because they don't have any reference point to the type of document that is required so you know as as i'm sure the director um, of the department will be flushing out more criteria as per the legislation. Um, I hope that there's also going to be that very like specific if it's a prepackaged food product like this is the cottage food permit you need to show like if it's um, a if it's you know like a other type of thing. This is the seller's permit. This is the receipt, you know, the resale license, whatever specific type of document is uh, associated with the type of product being sold like that level of specificity needs to be there um and i mean i there was references different references to the department um you know sending notifications if anything changed with the program or um notice you know to to vendors uh, like with waivers, that sort of thing. So again, like I think this commission would be interested in in how that communication to these businesses or potential businesses happen. I mean, this is something our office has been advocating for in general, even when we have the TTX, you know, point of contacts for these businesses. Like we still, you know, there's still a lot of brick and mortars that don't really get those those updates, right? Um, or like waivers, right? We've seen a lot of um, schedules that have waivers that are not mentioned on the notices that are not, you know, even when there is outreach for the department for a program, the outreach doesn't tell uh, businesses about waivers. We've seen that consistently um, with with some of the uh, fee and fine schedules and permanent schedules. So. So that communication, the waiver communication is a big one. Um, yeah, and I think you did say that the fines cap at $500, um, but in the legislation, there is a reference to a higher amount after um, three like plus violations. And then there's also reference to, to interest, 10% year for like uncollected, um, that may lead to civic action and and injunctions. So I'm just curious, like then, does that, uh, you know, translate onto people's ability to participate in city subsidized programming, um, otherwise like housing or or something like that? Like what what material form do the, does that civic action and injunctions play out? Okay. As? Um, yeah, those are some some of the big ones, but. Um, I'm sure we'll keep talking for a few minutes and I'll think of more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Zazunas. Um, so yes, there, there are two different fine schedules. One is for violations of the ordinance, right? So for example, not being able to, like you have a permit, but you're like, oh, I don't have any proof that I own these products or I, you know, so um, I'm going to go and get it and I'll, I'll receive it and, and bring it back. There's, there's that kind of um, penalty for that kind of violation. And then there's the, the, the vending without a permit at all. 
So if there are, is repeated, you know, selling without a permit, then that is the the um, the second schedule because it is it is different, right, in nature than someone who has a permit and like simply doesn't post it or decides like that they, um, you know, that what we're requiring is like an attestation when you apply for the permit that says that you agree that you will present, for example, proof of ownership of the goods when asked, right, by an inspector. Um, so that is something that you agree to. If you don't produce it, then that's a violation of the, the ordinance. So, you know, the, that's why we have two different um, administrative penalty schemes. One is for purely for, you know, for violations of the, of the legislation um, based on not following the rules. And one is a, a fee schedule for folks that, are, that simply do not apply for a permit and never try to, right, who, who do, kind of refuse to come into compliance. So um, the, the reason why um, there is a 10% penalty and why you have all this, you know, language about a civil action if you do not pay the administrative penalty and fines is because, according to the city attorney, that when there is an administrative fine for complete noncompliance, that that is considered legally a debt to the city. And so unlike the administrative fines for violations, for, for pure violations, not for refusal to, compl to comply, you can actually reduce the administrative fines and fees based on your ability to pay. So that is something that someone can actually show and it can be reduced down to 20% of the total fine. For refusal to comply, that is when it would accrue the interest. That is when it would be considered a debt to the city. And according to the city attorney's office, that is something legally that they had to include in here. Um, that is part of like, for example, the port ordinance, which is similar to this one, and which is the one that we modeled this one after. I hope that's not too confusing, but I can also follow up and, and clarify. I, um, and the last thing I wanted to tell you, commissioners, I, I really appreciate you know, your feedback about the technical assistance. Um, I think that one of the things that we should do is actually have technical assistance grants that are a part of this, not just in, you know, in city government, but it should be out in community, right? So if there are community organizations that we know are in neighborhoods that are already trusted, then why not have them? Why not resource them to actually do the outreach notification and, and provide the technical assistance that you're talking about? So that is definitely something that we can we can consider doing. Yeah. Vice President Sazunas, are you? Uh... I, I will cede the floor for now as we have someone else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner Huey. Thank you. Um, thank you for um, so much detail in this legislation as well. Um, I also wanted to just you know, second and third, the the need for outreach in language and culturally competent um, outreach. And also really thinking that this is, I, I feel like the more I hear about it or the more we're talking about it, it feels like it's a good kind of um, like gateway opportunity for people to be able to then get hooked up with the technical assistance should that become available. So I like the idea that there there's a possibility of opportunity um, 
I'm wondering what what are your thoughts about the fee schedule? Like I know DPW will be um, governing and administering. Do you believe that that should be low? Um, like after our discussion about low barrier. Um, and uh, supervisor, please feel free to interrupt me if you ever want the floor. Um, but um, to answer your question, Commissioner Huey, um, the the fee schedule will be set by DPW to cover the reasonable costs of the permitting application process, you know, the inspections and enforcement. They also have to store the the items if you know confiscation of goods becomes necessary. We really hope that it's not. Right. The, this idea, again, is to try to bring people into compliance instead of punishing them. Um, but um, when they set that fee schedule, we also built in a fee waiver option. So if there is an economic hardship that you should be able to apply at the same time for the fee waiver as you are applying for this permit. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I do think that um, the amount of the fee will be will come into consideration at some point because, I mean, for any business, it, you're weighing scales, right? Like, is it worth it? Is it not? And if it just, if we're not really trying to incentivize people for creating legitimate businesses, you know, it's the fees could, could be set to become a barrier. Um, I'm wondering, is there an annual renewal for the program? Do people, okay, so they do need to renew every year. Um, and then lastly, I'm wondering what prevents somebody from having kind of a mixed bag of products? Like I can come and get a permit with all my legitimate goods. And then, you know, I have a couple of things that maybe I just came across. How does this uh, prevent that situation? Um, that's a great question. And it does not. I mean, there is no way that we have enough inspectors um, and city staff to actually go out and inspect every single item that every single street vendor is going to be selling. So there is a part of this where um, I think, as Supervisor Safai said, the reality of how this will be implemented and, and enforced is that it will be very, the inspectors and enforcement will be targeting the very obvious someone is armed and selling three laptops out of a computer, uh, out of their backpack, for example. Um, this is, you know, this is not intended um, and enforcement is, the, the resources that they have for inspection and enforcement are not gonna be sufficient to go after every single individual um, street vendor for every, you know, for everything that they're selling. And that is the, that is the reality. Um, I do wanna make sure to, to note that, um, you know, not only does the state law bar us from criminalizing um, even violations of this ordinance, um, which aligns, I think, with what the mayor's priority also is. She is not interested in trying to criminalize violations. Um, but, you know, DPW, if they need to, for example, in a UN Plaza kind of situation, if they need to, they can, ha they can have an MOU with any other department, city department, to assist with enforcement if they have to. So it has to be meaningful enforcement for it to matter, you know? So, but at the same time, we do not want police being the first, you know, the first line of defense here. We do not want them 
having the primary responsibility for enforcing anything related to this legislation. That is not conducive to encouraging people to actually come into compliance. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I guess my question is really meant to kind of, um, you know, give us a moment to kind of think about what would be then the next steps, right? Because it's kind of like, if, if this, happens right and then and then there are people who are getting permits that are selling legitimate things and then the problem persists and then you know it's just kind of like I feel like that's kind of how that slippery slope happens is that you have one one small legislative action and then you have to create more and more legislative actions to kind of like then plug the, the holes or whatever is happening. And I would just, I would not want to see, you know, 20 other things being presented to try to then solve for the same kind of issue. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't seem to make sense for <laughs> I can't tell by the look on your face. What I'm saying is that I know that this seems very obvious, but if it doesn't solve for that problem, like if it doesn't really solve for it at, at the end of the day, right? We're gonna still have, you know, um, we may get a lot of the people who are really just selling stolen goods and not really capable of like, you know, getting a permit and things like that. But should we be talking about, you know, say organized crime or something much larger? You know, those people are going to have resources to be able to go through your permitting process, get the permits and continue to sell stolen goods. I don't necessarily want to say this on a giant, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> and give anybody any ideas or anything, but I'm just trying to be real about like, what are we, you know, are what percentage is, is this bucket and what percentage is this bucket and are are we really going to be able to fix it with this one thing? Does that make any more sense? No. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see where I see what you're saying. And, and what I would say is, you know, I, I think we don't want to make this so expansive at the outset. Like, we don't want to throw this giant net when really what we're talking about is tar trying to tailor this to the, be the, the, the behavior that I think we all agree is, is not okay. Right. And so if we need to tweak this, if we need to fine tune it, then we will through the rules and regulations process. Um, that may be necessary, right, as we see it actually happening in reality. But I think that the desire right now is to try to make it as narrowly tailored as possible to get folks who want to do the right thing, make it as easy as possible for them to do it. And for the folks that don't and aren't going to apply for a permit anyway, Okay, well then that's how, this is a way to, to make it very clear and make it very obvious that the city's paying attention and they are going to enforce. You know, so I think that's, that is the, the, the best approach where we help the most people that we can with the lightest touch and, and hurt the fewest. That, that is what our, our objective is with this legislation for now. And if it doesn't work, then yeah, then we have to improve it. We won't know that until it's in, you know, it's, it's, op it's operational. Sure. No, I totally understand. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm optimistic and I really hope that people 
you know, that this become that this doesn't force us, it doesn't force the city to to expand like and over-regulate, you know, in this area. But that's my that's my hope is that we can set something up that really gives people a chance to really maintain this as an avenue of opportunity and at the same time discourage and try to take away the profitability of of bad actors, you know? We'll see. We'll see if it works. That that's that's what I can that that's the best that we can do with any legislation, I think. But I, but I would just add, I mean, we know already, I mean, there was a, there was an attempt on in Fisherman's Wharf. I keep going back to that. Uh, there were some problems there with people, with street vendors that were really undermining the, the businesses that are brick and mortar. And I know a lot of you work with a lot of brick and mortar businesses. A lot of you represent that. You come from that community. Um, you own those types of businesses. I mean, this is also kind of an extension of that. So we have in place and seen this work already. Um, we know that this, there is a desire and a need to bring some bad actors uh, in line. And I think what will happen in, in most cases is um, if this legislation is successful, which I really believe it will be, you know, we will put institute a permitting process for those that are actually doing legitimate street vending. And the ones that are not and are illegitimate or involved in illicit activities are, are, are gonna move on. And if they don't, then we have a mechanism to hold them accountable. And I think that's what's really going to happen. Um, as Ivy said, if there are some things that we haven't thought about, uh, we have the uh, director of public works and we have the ability to adjust the administrative procedures as they're implemented. Um, there will be some memorandums of understanding that will be negotiated between the Department of Public Works and other departments that they need assistance from and work with. So there's a lot of opportunity for people to weigh in. Um, and you know, ultimately, if someone is being fined multiple times and caught multiple times, you know they're a bad actor. Whether we increase the penalties from 100 all the way to 500 by the third offense, you know they're involved in some, some illicit things and not following the rules. And, Believe me, there's always the appeal and administrative process to appeal uh, those types of fees and fines, and we have to do that. People have to have their due process. All of the ordinances that we write have that. Otherwise, they don't pass the, the legislative uh, and legal uh, test that's in place. So there's a lot of mechanisms for people to avail themselves from to ensure that they're not being, that we're not being overly punitive. So we really appreciate the feedback here today. Um, thank you commissioners for all the questions and, and thoughts. And as Ivy said, we're absolutely open to getting more feedback and seeing how we can incorporate in some additional um, ideas if, if there's room for that. Supervisor, we still have uh, one or two more commissioners waiting to speak. Uh, Commissioner Huey, are you done? Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you okay. very much. Vice President Um, If anybody else hasn't spoken yet, I'll, I'll let them um, since I've already gone, but if not. Uh, go ahead and, and I'll, I'll, I'll have a, I just have a brief uh, suggestion, but uh, go ahead. I'll go after you. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks again for the discussion. Um, in, in line with this conversation, and I think going back to comments that we've all made, um, what are going to be kind of like the success metrics for this program or like the accountability tools to make sure 
as Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena says, it doesn't become just an anti-loitering um, policy because because uh, as much as brick and mortars, you know, do uh, feel feel um, the pain from people who are not paying taxes, permits, and selling things, you know, adjacent to them. Small brick and mortars in in low income communities also are direct victims of anti loitering laws, um, and we've seen that. And we've um, and I think that maybe we can also keep in mind in terms of some of the creativity in this that might be possible. Um, I know that there are often also good partnerships with vendors and. Uh, street vendors and small businesses, you know, like there's a tamale lady that hangs out in front of my family store and we have a relationship there. So maybe, you know, you know, one of the things I think in the legislation was you had to, you can show proof that you're a representative of a principal business as, as a means to, to be in compliance, maybe um, understanding, you know, what are the variations in that and maybe small businesses can also sponsor street vendors, you know, and have some kind of symbiotic relationship there because I, I, I hate how we have seen, you know, good intended regulation over and over again. Um, when it comes into implementation, it turns communities against each other. Um, and it also becomes the city's only legal jurisdiction to solve something is going after the point of sale, right? So that point of sale may not be the person who stole these items, right? That point of sale may not be the person who even knows how to apply for the permit for these items. Um, so I, I really want us, if we're if we're really trying to make this part of sy systematic change and, and bringing people fully into compliance with our city's permitting you know, system, then we need to be thinking about like, how are we gonna be accountable to that goal? Um, and and how do we make sure that, you know, we're not just putting the brute force only on where the city has legal jurisdiction. Like we don't have, maybe we don't have legal jurisdiction online, right? That doesn't mean that we only have to focus on the people who are, um, you know, on on the front end of, of a scheme that, that they might not even know products had been stolen from you know that they were selling so we've we've seen this in practice with legislation very similar to this so this is this is um something that i i would say my other commissioners feel too um if you you know as the mayor's office as the supervisor's office if you're thinking internally that may you know these metrics may not be in the legislation but they're part of your management plan of this like we would love to hear that um, whether that's like this amount where our goal is to get this, this amount of businesses, you know, signed up each month or whatever. Like we just want to see some accountability tools in it. Um, or at least I would love to see that, um, to make sure it's not just another anti-loitering policy that is going to move, move people from block to block. And honestly, the stuff sold on the street is also an internal market. People are like, picking up stuff that people leave, you know, like there's there's not really a linear supply chain for any of this. So to prove that it 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 does come from a linear supply chain almost seems like an impossible burden for for a vendor to prove. 
Thank you. Ivy or uh, Supervisor? No, you know, at, at this point, I think it's just, it's good to take the feedback. Listen, I don't, I don't really have a response to that. I mean, we, we, we've been on the ground, out on the streets, uh, talking to vendors, talking to the um, retail community. Uh, I've worked on the ground in the Tenderloin for almost half my career, you know, seeing what's hap what happens, just was out there just today. At UN Plaza, you just have to stand there for a few minutes and see the stolen electronics and items and goods that are there. To your point, I understand it's hard to kind of measure where, where the supply chain comes from, but I think what we're trying to do is provide a mechanism to at least hold accountability. And then we do have mechanisms to allow people to bring themselves into compliance. I mean, if, listen, if you're out there legitimately selling items, it's, as an opportunity to start a business, we provide for a waiver uh, for your vend, you know, for your permitting. We allow you, and I think those are the people that are going to want to partake and avail themselves of this program. The people that are out there doing illicit things, um, no other way to say it, are going to move on. And and quite frankly, in some ways, you know, when you're talking about what's going on in UN Plaza, what's going on in 24th and and, and mission, what's going on in a lot of the BART station plazas above the BART stations out on our commercial corridors. Um, there's a lot of illicit activity going on and it's, it's, it's committing, it's contributing to a climate of, of that it's okay to, to be involved in this type of criminal activity. And I think it undermines the, the security and, and the perception of San Francisco holding people accountable for illicit activities. And so I think this is a real thoughtful way to approach that. This is a, a very um, easy, not high bar opportunity for people to you know, avail themselves of a permit. Um, so you know, really appreciate the feedback there and we'll just continue to listen and see how we can work together. I don't know if you wanna add anything to that, Ivy. You know, I, I have um, just one couple quick suggestions, and then we'll 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 go to public comment. Um, so, you know, I think what I've I've heard from both the commission and uh, from you, supervisor, I think there's there's general agreement, uh, and from my view as well, a, a lot of yeah, a, a lot of agreement that uh, folks that are legitimately in business, we should try and make it as easy as possible. Uh, for them to uh, be able to get up and, and get running and, and, and make that threshold for getting in business be as low as possible. Uh, and the intent of, of this legislation is uh, really about preventing the folks that uh, knowingly or, or unknowingly are um, receiving stolen goods and, and by extension making it harder for everybody in the city uh, other small businesses, uh, our, our residents, um, certainly in my industry, we see a lot of broken windows and, and, and customers that are very upset that they've, they've lost everything. Uh, and, and then it, it, it turns up at UN Plaza or whatever. So um, my one top level suggestion that I think is consistent with everything that the other commissioners have recommended uh, and perhaps this is too big an idea or too big a lift for this legislation. So I'm, I'm willing to just plant this as a seed 
rather than a formal recommendation. Uh, but, you know, I wonder if the city could make an online application that somebody could fill out over the phone and, and take a picture of their license plate and, um, uh, you know, fill out an affidavit <laughs> online. Um, you know, I, I'm aware of other cities that have done uh, similar uh, online applications uh, that, that you can do mobile over the phone. It'd make it easier to provide multi-language support. Uh, it would also make it possibly potentially um, easy for somebody who, who gets that first initial warning. They can walk through the process and, and be back in business uh, that same day instead of having to go down to City Hall and figure out who the right person to talk to is and download the form and print the form and get the right language and support it and, you know, all this stuff. So uh, my suggestion would just be that uh, if we could find a way to make a web app that people could easily get to, I think it would, it, it would make it easier to accomplish addressing a lot of the concerns that we've raised here about equity and language support, um, making it easier for folks to get into business, which of course is a, uh, one of our, our big uh, values uh, here in the commission, uh, while at the same time accomplishing the legislation's goals. And, and, you know, there's actually some benefits that come from that too, because, uh, you know, now somebody's logged on with their phone, there's a little bit more of a paper trail to, you know, if it does later turn out that they were participating in, in some sort of criminal network, a uh, little, little less uh, likely that it'd be fraudulent or, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're manipulating um, uh, forgery or, or, or using fake IDs and that kind of thing. So that was the one idea I had. Uh, probably too big for this legislation, but planting seeds. Thank you so much, President Magana. Um, I really appreciate all of the feedback. Um, I've, you know, I think we have really taken seriously everything that you've said and shared with us. Um, and we will we will do our best to make sure that the the regulations and the way that this is implemented reflect the feedback that you've given us. Um, I, I think we're in agreement with everything that folks have said. Yeah, great. So uh, with that, why don't we uh, check in on public comment? Are there any public commenters on the line? Jason, are there any public commenters on the line? It looks like we have no attendees. Okay, perfect. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Uh, commissioners, I've heard uh, several different uh, suggestions. Uh, I'm inclined to introduce a motion in support of the legislation, but I did want to um, check in with all of you uh, and, and have a discussion about whether you wanted to incorporate uh, any of these suggestions into a motion. Um, so I will just open the floor up uh, to you guys. And, uh, uh, you know, if, 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 if there's no uh, desire to um, integrate some of these suggestions into a motion, I'll make the motion. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. I can just for one, for the record, I want to state, you know, I support the legislation. I support the work. We have to hold people accountable. 
I think my biggest suggestion, if, if, if you know, up the discussion to my, our co-commissioners, if we can somehow incorporate the CBOs in some kind of mechanism, as I suggested, I don't know exactly, Supervisor, how that looks like or even wording it, but. No, no, I, you, you know what, I, I, I think, thank you, uh, Commissioner Ortiz-Cartagena, I think it's a good, good idea. I think one of the ways, some of the things that I've heard here today um, are really gonna be dealt with as we work with the Director of Department of Public Works to implement the administrative kind of bulletin. And you have my commitment, um, we can ensure that part of uh, the stakeholders or some of the people that are involved, as you say, the commercial corridors that they work with, like if they're in Chinatown, we're talking about Chinatown Community Development Corporation, Meta, like working with community-based organizations that work in partnership uh, with small businesses in their area, um, we can ensure that we work on that as we talk with them about the administration of, of, of this program. I don't think we would do that through the legislative process. Um, we would do that through the administrative process, but I think it's a very valid and important piece of the conversation because you want them you want them informed and aware of this and you want them to be involved to ensure that, as you said, there aren't any unintended consequences. And for those that are legitimate, they know the process by which they can avail themselves of this. Thank you. Commissioners, any other feedback? Okay, um, I will move that uh, the commission support the legislation. I'll second. I'll second. Commissioner Huey beat you to the punch, Commissioner Dickinson. No worries. All right. Motioner just motion to support this legislation by President Laguana, seconded by Commissioner Huey. I'll read the roll. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. President Laguana. Yes. Uh Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. Vice President Zizunas. No. Motion passes with a vote of four to one. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so you much, Commissioner. Thank you for all your Thank thoughtful you for all your work on this. All right. Next item, please. Item three Commission President and Vice President elections. This is a discussion and action item. The commission will discuss and may take action on the January 2022 to January 2023 term commission president, followed by January 2022 to January 2023 term vice president. Director, do you want to provide an overview of how this works? Sure, thank you, uh, Commissioner. So uh, for the election of both the president and vice president, our commission secretary will call for nominations and we'll begin with the president. Uh, and then each nomination needs a second. Then nominees can make a short statement and the commissioners can also uh, make some comments as well. After that, we'll move to public comment. And then our secretary will take the roll call for each nomination in the order that they were nominated. So the commissioners uh, can vote in favor of one nominee for each office. We'll repeat that process then uh, for vice president. And for both cases, the first nominee to receive uh, four votes is elected. 
Uh, so with that, I'll turn it back to the president, Laguana. Uh, great. Uh, does anybody have any questions about how this works? Okay. Uh, Carrie, would you please call for nominations? Are there any nominees for president? I would like to nominate uh, Commissioner Laguana. And I want to second it. <laughs> okay. Are there any other nominees? Okay. Um, the, President Laguana, do you want to say a few words? Uh, yeah, no. I, uh, I would just say, uh, colleagues, it is uh, an incredible honor to uh, serve with you and work with you. Uh, I take this role very seriously, treat it pretty much like a full-time job, <laughs> maybe more than a full-time job. Uh, maybe not a healthy relationship with the job, to be quite honest, but uh, uh, I care very much about each of you. I wanna make sure that all of our views are represented uh, and uh, it's been an incredible honor to have this role. I don't intend to continue this role indefinitely, uh, but uh, I have uh, felt that I'm learning and I think I'm um, learning some tricks, some new tricks, uh, and I'm excited to, uh, good tricks for, for, for not, not nasty, evil tricks. Uh, good tricks for the benefit of everybody. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to uh, uh, help guide the commission through this year. And, and uh, hopefully we will have two new commissioners soon and, and they're gonna need advice and encouragement from all of us. Uh, so it's, it's just a, a real pleasure to work with all of you. And, and that was a longer speech than I intended to give. <laughs> Um, there are no public callers on the line. So with, um, I will now call the roll. Uh, to nominate, the motion is to nominate President Laguana for the 2022-2023 term as commission president. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. Commissioner Laguana. Yes. <laughs> Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. Yes. And Commissioner Zizunas. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. You are the president for the next year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, okay. Um, Carrie, would you call for nominees for vice president? Yeah, they're nominees for a vice president. It would be my privilege and my honor uh, to nominate Vice President Zizunas uh, for another term as Vice President. Am I allowed to say something here or do I just make the motion? I think I, think, I just make the motion. Yeah. Is there a seconder? I was trying to give somebody else. I'll second it. <laughs> Okay. Can I can I do that? Can I? Yes, you can. <laughs> All right. Um, Vice President Zunas, do you want to say any words? 
that I'm very thankful for this commission and all of our members and our and our staff and leadership and especially how I've seen us grow in the last two years um, in terms of our um, know-how to influence city policies and our convictions to make sure that we're bringing equity into the picture at every level. Um, I appreciate that we can have healthy debate and contrarian stances and um, still, you know, look at what we can do. I mean, even now, I think, you know, we're all in line with the city adopt something. We're going to support how to make it better for small businesses, you know, no matter what our debates were <laughs> at the forefront. And I think that that's the attitude that we all bring um, because we are so hands-on with small business that we reflect that in, in our work here. So thank you again for trusting me um, as part of that leadership. Right. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to um, say something uh, here. I'm reading to see what I'm supposed to say. You can either ask if there's any comments or go to public comment. Uh, yeah, I guess I skipped that part. Uh, commissioners, would you? Um, it's good. I, I'm glad I skipped it for me. <laughs> uh, would any commissioners like to comment on on the nomination, the nominee? Commissioner Huey. I just wanted to, um, sometimes I talk without even unmuting. I just get so eager to speak, I guess. <laughs> um, I just wanted to um, thank um, Commissioner Zunas for her work on the um, racial equity subcommittee. I feel like, you know, it's a space that um, we've been able to really dive deeper into some of the issues that you know, um, that we talk about at large, but uh, we're still working out, you know, how to think about it, how to think about something, how to look at something, how to question something. And so, you know, it's very much a work in progress, but um, it's been a very um, positive and, you know, forward moving kind of space. So I appreciate that. And um, thank you for your leadership in that. You know, um, I'll just add that it has been a real pleasure uh, working with Vice President Zunas, and that uh, the thoughtfulness and attention to detail and personal experience that she brings to bear uh, has been really incredibly helpful. Um, not just here, but um, behind the scenes too, as, as we're analyzing how to move forward. I value her input and her advice, and uh, I'm particularly grateful that she feels comfortable disagreeing, um, because this should be a place where we are comfortable saying what we really feel and what we really think. And uh, I, I want that to be, uh, I, I don't want people to feel like that they have to vote the way everybody else voted um, just because everybody else voted that way. Uh, people should be able to vote what they truly believe. Um, and I think uh, Vice President Zuzunas is, is, uh, understands that and, and takes her responsibility seriously. And, and I think it is to this commission's credit uh, that the two of us are able to work together so well. Um, and, 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 and that the commission is able to work so well as a body. So 
any other commissioner comments before we go to public comment? Okay. Is there any public commenters on the line? There are nobody on the line. <laughs> Didn't quite hear that, but I'm, I'm going to guess it was a no. Uh, so seeing none, public comment is closed. I'll, uh, Carrie, call the roll. Yeah. All right. To nominate uh, Vice President Zizunas for another year of being Vice President Zizunas. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. President Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. And Vice President Zizunas. Yes. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you for the kind words, everybody. Great. Okay. Uh, that's out of the way. Next item, please. Item four, approval of draft meeting minutes. This is an action oh, item. Sorry. Uh, before we go to the next item, um, it says here, uh, would the president or vice president like to say a few words? I already said my words, but I-, oh, I wanted... you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to give uh, Vice President Zunas the opportunity if she wanted to. Well, I think I said some words on for myself, but I'll just say for, for President Laguana, thank you for your leadership. I mean, you've, you've got us through some of the craziest times we've all experienced and done it in, in a way that never felt sloppy. It never felt like we had no beacon. You know, we kept we kept our our straightforward path to support small businesses. And, you know, you pushed our boundaries in terms of like how we can think about supporting small businesses and and engaging other parts of the public realm and um, community. And, and I think that that's been really powerful. It's brought our commission to a higher caliber. Um, and that's a, that's a testament to your leadership. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. But of course, it is the work of the entire commission that has got us there. Um, I'm just the person that calls roll. And uh, okay. I, just, I just read the chat and it says which person to call next. And that's, that's most of what I do. Okay, uh, next item. Item four, approval of draft meeting minutes. This is an action item. Uh, I move to approve the meeting minutes. I second it. Second. Uh, motion by President Laguana, seconded by Commissioner Dickerson. Uh, I'll read the roll. I'm so sorry. We did that out of order. Um, if Stephen okay. was here, he would he would have strung me up. Oh, we did. Yes, I did, totally did that wrong. Uh, <laughs> so this is the, uh, we have to open up to public comment first. Uh, so, uh, is there any public commenters on the line? There's nobody on the line. Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Uh, now I can move that um, the commission accepts the minutes. And then now I will second it. All right, I will read the roll. Commissioner Dickerson? Yes. Commissioner Huey? Yes. President Laguana? Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena? Yes. And Vice President Zazunas? Yes. All right, meeting minutes are approved, vote five to nothing. 
Uh, item five, general public comment. This is a discussion item. Are there any members of the public who would like to make comments that are not on item, about items that are not on today's agenda? Put on the line. Okay, uh, seeing none, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item six, director's report, presentation and discussion item. Director Tang, the floor is yours. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations, uh, President Laguana and Vice President Zazunis on another term. Um, also, just uh, wanted to share that we did receive a reappointment memo from the mayor last week for President Laguana to continue uh, another term with us uh, here on the commission. So congratulations. Um, also wanted to share that uh, starting this week, um, our office and the office of well, part of the Office of Economic and Workforce Development uh, will be holding community budget listening sessions. Uh, so this is a requirement uh, that we must abide by under an ordinance that was passed several years ago that uh, as the city is embarking upon uh, the budget process and putting together uh, the city's budget proposal that all the city departments must uh, hold community listening sessions. I believe it's um, a minimum of two. And so we are fulfilling, um, our Office of Small Business is fulfilling this requirement through OEWD, which we are technically a department um, uh, under this department. And so the first uh, listening session uh, will be on January 26th. Um, so that's Wednesday and that will focus on workforce development. Then the following day on January 27th, uh, the, the theme will be around economic development. So that is where the small business community may be interested in participating and sharing ideas. And then there's a third meeting in February, on February 10th, uh, just to focus on um, basically what we've heard. Uh, so a roundup of, of the community input and uh, perhaps some uh, draft framework of what we're thinking about in terms of OAWD, which includes OSB's budget. Um, all of these will be virtual. So they will take place at six o'clock in the evening um, online. And um, we just today sent out information via our OSB newsletter so they, um, the community has this information. Uh, next, just want to share an update on the venue fund. Um, so um, Rick from our office has been processing uh, the second round of applications. So we received seven applications in the second second round. However, wanted to also note that all of those who are part of the first round, so there are 70 applications from that round, they automatically qualify for the second round of grants, so they did not need to reapply. Um, in terms of the legacy business uh, grant program, there are about 180 applications received um, so far that uh, grant program deadline closed on Friday. Uh, so um, Rick will also be continuing to, to work um, through uh, that program as well as the venue fund. And the legacy business plaque. So we're currently in the process of installing about 19 plaques on businesses that have qualified for the registry. Um, so again, just something fun uh, to look out for when you're going about the city. And we also issued an RFP for a check writer for the venue fund the legacy business, as well as the accessible uh, business entrance program for ADA uh, for accessibility. And there were two respondents to that RFP. So we're in the process of uh, assembling panels to uh, review those proposals. Um, on the legislative and policy side, just a few quick items to note here. 
Um, wanted to share that um, effective January 1st, uh, in terms of the vacancy tax, uh, property owners of commercial storefronts that are empty for more than 182 days um, could face fines of up to $250 per square feet. Um, and if the space is leased, uh, but still vacant, the tenant would have to pay the penalties. So we're aware that the treasurer's office is going to be doing some outreach. Um, I think, uh, I believe it's early next month about this program, but um, I know there will be lots of interest uh, from this commission as well as the small business community, uh, just given that last provision I noted. Um, also, uh, in terms of uh, recent announcements, you may have read that for um, potentially for this November's ballot measure, uh, the mayor is considering a proposal regarding security camera footage and allowing um, our pub, uh, police department to monitor security cameras live. Um, and that's under a, um, certain conditions that would apply um, where the SFPD would be able to view that uh, when something is in progress, for example. And so um, the Board of Supervisors also has another um, uh, counter proposal and uh, wants, um, wants Board of Supervisors approval in order to monitor security cameras. So uh, just stay tuned for that. But again, those might impact businesses as you, um, some of you or other businesses out there may have um, security cameras. Uh, in terms of the uh, state budget proposal, um, so our commissioner, uh, Commission Secretary Kerry, uh, put together a wonderful summary of um, some of the initiatives under the governor's recent uh, budget proposal, and it's also available online. So I uh, just wanted to make sure that you um, all uh, are able to reference that. Um, and of course, we'll keep, keep tabs as to what actually makes it through the budget process. And then lastly, just want to share that I know there's a lot of interest about shared spaces program and what's going to be happening. Um, we're still awaiting uh, for um, the formal proposal from the mayor's office uh, on that piece. And so uh, we'll be sure to schedule that once um, we see that come through. But uh, this commission is slated to, to hear the latest on that. Um, so those are my announcements. And I'll turn it back to you, um, President Laguana. Thank you. Um Director, I sent you an email about a micro business program um, that the state is offering. I wanted to uh, flag and, and let the uh, other commissioners know about this. There is a uh, micro business grant program that the state of California is offering. Um, there is a, a new grant that's going to be opening up soon. Um, San Francisco does have to I guess, fill out some paperwork or do some, I'm not exactly sure what it is uh, we have to do, but um, it's a million dollars. It's for micro businesses. Uh, we just got done talking about street vendors. And this is a grant program that would seem to uh, pretty squarely help street vendors because uh, you need uh, I think revenue under 50,000 and it's a grant up to 2,500, which sounds like um, something that would, would primarily be helping people with like small hot dog carts or um, street sales program. So um, Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena, I know you do a lot of work in this stuff. So I wanted to flag this for you and keep an eye out for it. Uh, also wanted to check in with, uh, or just flag this yet again for the director that, um, San Francisco does have to take a step or two to get for our residents to get access to this million dollars. So um, 
FYI. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm happy to follow up with you um, or this commission on that. Um, I, I am aware of that program. Um, as you probably know, in addition to applying for programs, we also need the staffing to administer grants. So yeah. that is the challenge. But um, so either the city or there's an alternative uh, per the program's uh, regulations that um, it could also be a nonprofit partner that would apply for it on behalf of the city. So we will um, sort that out and uh, provide you a feed, um, uh, follow up on that. Great. That'd be great. And I was aware of the administrative hurdles um, and, and didn't mean to uh, sell those short. Um, and um, Feel like there was one other thing I wanted to ask about, but I, I, I can't think of it right now. I didn't see any other commissioners um, put their name in the chat, but commissioners, if you had any comments or questions for the director. If not, then I will go to public comment. There is nobody on the line to speak. I think he said there's nobody. There's nobody on the line to speak. Okay. Got it. Uh, seeing none, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item seven, commissioner comments and questions and new business. This is a discussion item. Commissioners. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Thank you, President Laguana. I wanted to bring up um, some things that I've been experiencing out on the field regarding um, business registrations. Um, and I, I, I don't know which businesses this applies to, but some businesses I've encountered are not able to renew their registration online. They actually have to download a form and do this manual process of calculating their fees and then mailing a check along with this form into the TTX office to get their business registered. And um, I was speaking with the director earlier today regarding that and Carrie. And um, I just want to investigate that because it, it, it's, it becomes really burdensome if you have to like first download something, print it, and then you have to calculate. Like, it, and it's odd because I've never seen it. And, and I don't know what the reasoning is because these businesses are like veteran businesses that, you know, you know, are, are compliant. So I, I just wanted to look into that as a commission. Uh, I think we should. We will follow up uh, offline, uh, and if it looks like uh, more action is is needed, we'll uh, uh, invite uh, TTX or whoever it is we need to invite to uh, come in and, and talk to us about what's happening and, and how we can make that work better. Thank you. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, Two other sort of statewide things I wanted to flag. I know Carrie prepared a budget summary. I haven't seen that yet, uh, but I've, I've been doing some statewide work. Um, one is that uh, the state is doing fee waivers for new businesses, uh, similar to our first year free program. Uh, so when you talk to folks that are thinking about starting a business, it, it, it looks like now is a good time. Um, save at least a hundred bucks on, on uh, uh, filing, filing for a corporation or, or a limited liability company. Um, the other thing is that the state, the state also has a grant for victims of retail theft. Uh, and so if you guys, as you are going out and talking to the community, if, if you encounter small business owners that have um, 
been a, a victim of retail theft, there's also a statewide grant, uh, and that's ad administered by GoBiz, which is the state's um, business agency, I guess. Is, uh, I, I don't know what to call it, but um, you can and you can find that online. So I just wanted to flag that for everybody. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up. I've uh, been hearing from some folks in the retail side. Um, you know, it seemed like for a while MTA was doing a pretty good job of letting people know when changes were coming down the pike. Um, but lately, uh, there's a sense that um, there's not as much notification as, as there used to be. Uh, I'm... Um, you know, interested in hearing from um, all of you and, and uh, your experiences, uh, if, if any. Uh, hard to tell right now whether it's anecdotal or it's evidence of a pattern, but um, if there is a pattern, then I think uh, uh, it may be appropriate to uh, have some conversations with uh, M MTA about how we can make that work better for everybody uh, so that businesses aren't disrupted without notice. And that's it, that's all I got. Okay, um, don't see anybody else. So is there any public comment? There is no public comment. Great, seeing none, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item eight, adjournment. This is an action item. I move. Uh, move by. Well, the, the move usually happens after the slide, I think. No, then I move. <laughs> Thank you. SFGov TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. We will end with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco, and that the Office of Small Business is the best place to get answers about doing business in San Francisco during the local emergency. If you need assistance with small business matters, continue to reach out to the Office of Small Business. I move to adjourn. Move, move. Second. <laughs> move to adjourn by Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena, seconded by Vice President Sazunas. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. President Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. And Vice President Sazunas. Yeah. Motion passes five to zero. Meeting is adjourned at seven oh oh six oh three p.m. Great. Thanks, everybody.